I challenge God. God, if there's no other name above your name, and you have said in your word that you would not share your glory with anyone, would you show that to me? Would you reveal that to me? And he did. And I was able to let the other kind of light go off to the side and start believing his word. When my son was just about two years old in Children's Hospital, I remember I called Pastor Valentine and said, Pastor, would you come and pray for my son? And I was kind of disappointed at first at the lesson that he taught me. He said, Gus, you're a believer in Christ. You pray. You pray over your son. And I did. And God's word came, and he spoke to Elaine and I both, facing the same verse. This sickness is not unto death. This sickness is not unto death. And we went in the hospital the next day, and Gus woke up just for a split second, and he said, hi, Mom, and went right back into his coma. When I was struggling about whether do I leave Chrysler to go to school because I had a lot of advice that people told me, keep your job. You got a good job. Keep your job and just go ahead and start preaching and and, and people will recognize it. You just keep your job, though. Don't give up your job. Be bivocational. And uh, me and the Lord, we had an argument about that at Chrysler. And I told the Lord, Lord, I'm going into labor relations. And this is going to settle it now. You're the powerful God. And if you want me to go to school, you'll let them give me a leave of absence. Now, I'm making up my own test. You're going to tell them to tell me that I can have a leave of absence for nine months, go to school, come back and work at Chrysler. Another nine months, come back and work at Chrysler. And I'll go to school. Went into that office. At first, the man said yes. All the brothers from the Islam faith were getting time off to go up to Chicago and go to school. And when I put down to study pastoral and theology, they said no. And I told the Lord, leaving out, I said, that settles it now, Lord. I got a wife and three kids, and I can't be going to school. department until he got to me and then it stopped. And I'm laid off. No job. So I went home and I told the Lord, okay, Lord, you're going to do this your way, so we'll do it. And I start calling different schools. We called about four or five schools. You have to understand, I stuttered so bad. They all told me, except for one, no. No. You're not being called to preach because I studied so bad. 
Dr. Grant, and I'll never forget it. Picked up the phone at the four o'clock call. And he heard me stammering and trying to get words out. And he said, young man, if God's calling you to go to school, you come and let God take care of you. He's the first one to say that. You come. You obey what you believe God is telling you to do. And then let God take care of your speech. And there's words in my mind sometimes when I'm up here preaching, I have to avoid because I get hung up on because they're the hard H's or they're the hard this. And I'll be singing up here rather than moving on. And I trusted him and he proved himself that he could take a young man like me, as ignorant as I was, and put me through college. going to have to trust God. You may not understand it, but someplace you're going to have to say to the Lord, I believe you. It's not about my feeling. It's not about my experiences. It's not about what I think is right. Lord, this is what your word says. Lord, this is what I'm willing to do because I believe you're telling me to do it because of your word. Where do you get most of your information? How do you size up attention? How are you making judgments about this world? How are you coming to your conclusions about things? Some of us, we watch way too much news. And because we watch the news, we make a prediction of what's happening to this world. And I like news. Usually 6.30 news, 7 o'clock news is enough. Because you can overdo news. And you need to understand today, Walter Cronkite is dead and gone. A lot of these news people today are their opinions of what they think. It's not the facts. And what we need to do is be careful of what we're hearing. Because oftentimes what we're hearing becomes our conclusion. Or what we've experienced in life becomes our conclusion about God and who he is and what he can do. Understand something about life. It is not fair, is it faith? big word when she was coming up. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. You're right. Life is not fair. Not fair. I have to go to work every day while you go to school and play. It's not fair that I put three meals before you in a sense every day. It's not fair that mom has to wash your clothes and do this and put them away. That's not all fair. She's going to tell me the story that she had to wake up her son and her daughter and tell them they got to clean up their room and they got to do this and this. And, and I reminded her, I used to have to come upstairs to you and Tyler's bedroom and wake y'all up and tell you, you need to get the bed made up, get the room straightened up, 
you need to clean up. Gosh, you're doing the same thing. Life is not fair. Life for some of us has been rough and tough. It's been miserable. But don't take God to scratch him off. Because life has not been fair to you. You have to develop a Christian mind. And a Christian mind just doesn't happen. It takes work. It takes discipline. It takes denying yourself. And yes, God has given us the five senses. But God rules out the five senses when we trust him. We need to develop a mind for him. And like his. Go over to Psalms 53. Psalms 53. And then we're going to go to Philippians 2. But Psalms 53. Look what it says. And this is where we all have been. We've all gone through this. He says, The fool says in his heart, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. There is no God. And there's a lot of people this morning saying there is no God. There is no God worth glorifying. There's no God worth praising. There's no God worth giving up three or four hours of my Sunday when I can be in bed. I can be relaxing. I can be golfing. I can be riding. I can be doing this. I can be doing that. We're doing everything but learning of God. And God only took one day after week and said to his people, Honor me on this day. You have all the other days. You have the rest of the week. And we find it hard to give him what? A couple hours out of one day in the week. And yet he has given us six other days to do all that we want to do. And we find it very, very hard and difficult to serve him a few hours of one day. He says, it's the fool that says in his heart. And where does he say it at? In his heart, not in his mind, in his heart. Because out of the heart comes the issues of life. Out of the heart comes the real decisions that you make. And he says, it's the fool that says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their ways are vain. Look how God explains this to him. Look at his character. Look what he's saying. He says his whole life, or their whole life is what? One of corruption and it's vain. It's with really no meaning other than just to themselves. Other than just to themselves. If you were to die today, would there be people who really grieve you? Would there be people who really say, I missed you? Is there people who would really say, boy, they meant so much to me? Is life just about you? Centered on you. No 
man liveth unto himself. No man dieth unto himself. But our lives are filled and interwined with one another. And he says of that person, they are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. Why? We don't know what good is. We explain good basically by what we like and we care for. That is good. And it may be the most corrupt thing for us. Because we really don't know what is good for us. Isn't there something? Watch the baby when they first start crying. They still put everything where? Whether it's good for them or not. Because at that point, they don't know if it's what? Good or not good. We're just like that baby crawling around in this world thinking everything is good and we put everything in our mind that may not be good for us. He goes on and he says, they are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. God looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand. Any who seek what? See, to have this mind of Christ, to change your mind, you have to seek after God. Now understand something. The devil has a way of training us. It's called the American school system. That's, we're trained for the world to be productive citizens in the world. But today, how many of us are even making it through that school system without somehow being corrupted or being taught the wrong things or hearing the wrong things? See, everything in school today can be taught other than God. I can teach you sex. I can teach you that gay life is okay. I can teach you this and I can teach you that. And I can teach you this philosophy and that philosophy. The thing I cannot teach you in public school is about the character of God. And yet, if you go back and study the school system, that's where it started at. This heart. To educate a people. Go over to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. I want you to hear what he tells us to do. Go to verse 5. Because, see, this takes work. You have to retrain your mind. You have to retrain how you think about your enemy. You have to rethink how you're going to treat people. You've got to rethink uh, your kindness. You've got to rethink that your words. Sometimes we think rough words will push people away. We think if I cuss them out right there, leave me alone. But a kind word turns away wrath. Kind words, proper words, decent words, turns away wrath. See, I got to start learning how to do that without using my profanity, without having to cuss you out, without having to call you all kind of Fs or MFs and this and that and all this other junk and tell you to take your so-and-so to this place. But I can speak to you in such
and uh, that it was okay for him to have a mistress on the side because it was good practice, it was good for his mind, and it was just good for him to have a mistress. And even the wife said she understood because, boy, when he came back home, it really excited her. I'd be dead. And we hear all this junk out there. And for the Christian now, it should be one woman, one wife. We pick up a lot of worldly attitudes and worldly ways that we have to change as we come into the church and we begin to say, I'm born again. Those things got to begin to drop inside that you've learned in the world. Go to Romans chapter 12. run over to English first. Look at verse 2. Do not conform any longer. Now, when the Lord says, do not conform any longer, he says, at some point in your life, you have to stop. Stop what? Thinking like the world. You have to stop agreeing with the world. You have to stop allowing your mind to be formed by the world. And you have to be willing to allow yourself to be in the word of God and allow your mind to be transformed and renewed that you are now thinking as a kingdom person, as a saint of God, as someone who's really born again, not somebody just religion thinking, well, as long as they do good. But now you begin to develop that mind of Christ that is obedient unto the Father in all things. He says, somewhere you have to stop being conformed by this world. And you're the only one who can do it. And he goes on and he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing by what? Renewing. What is he saying? you got to renew all this up here in your mind. Why? Because what's up here in this mind drops where? Down into the heart, and out of the heart comes the issues of life. Out of the heart is the way I'm going to behave. I'm going to conduct myself. And out of the heart is how I'm going to speak. Out of the heart is how I'm going to handle my finances. Out of the heart is how I'm going to handle my relationships. Out of the heart comes the real issues of life. Answer this question to yourself right now. How are you renewing your mind? What books are you reading? What are you doing that is really reconditioning your mind? Because God is saying, you got to renew your mind. You got to learn to think differently. You got to learn to things differently. Your acceptance of things basically comes from how you think. 
you got to renew that. And that's hard. That's difficult because for my perspective, my feelings about people is right on. No, they're not. We lie to ourselves more than anybody else. We lie to ourselves. More than anybody else. And he, he says again, for do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, missing this part, underline this. If you don't have it underlined in your Bibles, you need to. He says, then you will be able to test. Test. You don't test God. Yes, you do. With his word. With his word. Test and approve what God's will is. Every one of us, God has a different plan for us. My, his plan for me was different for his plan for Roger. His plan for me was different for his plan for Brother Beecher, Charles, or anybody else here. He had a different plan. But as I know his word and live out his word, he speaks to me about his plan for my own personal life. Now, just think if you had to carry a Bible around with everybody's name in the world in it and God's plan. You wouldn't be able to do it. You'd be in there just searching for your name. Like out there in uh, Utah, you can go find your whole family tree. The only thing they did is they went to some genealogy of different cities, but they don't know your whole family tree, but you can look up your whole family tree. Hopefully, you'd be able to do it. People, you've got to work on your mind. Understand, if Satan destroys your mind, he destroys your understanding. He destroys your reason. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to destroy your reasoning because now your reasoning will no longer be 2 plus 2 equals 4, 2 plus 2 equals 7, 9, 11, anything you want it to be. But when you begin to understand God's word, life even begins to fit together. The puzzle is put together when you begin to understand God's word. And that's what's so important about being in his word. Because what is he doing? He's putting your life and my life together. And he says, boy, yes, you can go ahead and you can test and you can see what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You can know it. What are you going to know? You're going to know his will for you. Not my will for you. Not somebody else's will for you. But his will for your life. For your life. For your life. Now go over to Amos. Book of Amos. How does God do that? How does God do it? 
understand this verse, either this verse is totally a lie and not true, or this verse is false. It has to be one or the other. Either it's misleading, it's deceitful, it's trickery, or it's true. One or the other. It can't be both. Look what he says in verse 13. He who forms the mountain. See, you got to first ask, well, who forms the mountain? Who creates the wind? That's God. So you know who he's talking to. Now listen to this definition. Underline it if you don't have it there. And reveals his thoughts to who? To man. Now, what I want you to do is just do this. Put your name there. If you're a human being, God is saying and reveals his thoughts. Whose thoughts? God's thoughts to who? To you about what? Your life. Your life. But you're the one who has to be seeking him. You're the one that got to be seeking his direction. You're the one that got to be seeking his will. You're the one who has to seek and want to know what God is saying to you and what he wants to say to you. Always understand this principle. God will not force you. you. Why? Because he's the one who is giving you free will. And he will respect that. If you choose to serve him, if you choose to love him, if you choose to obey him, if you choose to really want to know him, he won't force you. And he says, what he will do, he will reveal his thoughts to man. He who turns down to darkness and dreads the high places of the earth. The Lord God Almighty is his name. So he gives us just an interlude. Who is doing this? God. What does God want to do? Is reveal his thoughts to you about you and your life. But if you're not in his word, he's not going to reveal anything. There's no place in scripture that it says, thus, you will go to Tacoma Falls College for Bible and theology. I can't find that place. But I do find in Hebrews 5, like Aaron, every man is called into the priesthood, priesthood in the service. What level You can be hired into any company, and that company will place you where they want you to what? Serve. That doesn't mean you can't move up or you can't be fired. But the company has the privilege of placing you where you will serve. Don't be trusted away from God. 
in his kingdom, then he has the right to place you and to train you so that every job, every position, he wants you to hold and do. Pick it up again next week. But I mean, we have to really take notice. God wants to reveal to you His thoughts. He wants to do that. Go to Acts 4, 32. And then when God calls a group of people together, look what He does. And it's not hard to do because you're all after the same goal. You want to glorify Him. You want to glorify him in Acts 4, 32. You want to live for him. And it's not hard to do when you're in the same book and you're living the same lifestyle. And each one of you are praying, Lord, develop in them what you desire to develop. See, the church, we're here to teach you. We're here to help develop you in the things of God. We're not here to tell you where you're supposed to be at. We're not here to tell you what gift you're supposed to use. We're not here to tell you this or that. But if you are really walking in the Spirit, you will be directed. You will be directed. Go to Acts 32. Look what it says. All the believers. He didn't say some of them. But all believers, all those who really believe in Jesus Christ, they have this one mind, this mind to please God, this mind to glorify God, this mind to serve God. And they learn that from the scriptures. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind, in heart and mind. Not just heart, not just mind. The mind had to struggle with the issue of what was being said. Is this true? Isn't it true? Is this for me or this not for me? The mind has to deal with that. Because it went down into the heart, now the action flows through it. Because this is what I believe. This is what I really believe. And I take steps on it. I take action his mind and heart. And he goes on and he says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his what? His own. Did, now, the question you got to ask is this. Did everyone have a right to say, this is my property? They had that right. But there was a need in the Jerusalem church. And different people were suffering and going through. And each one was willing to surrender because they understood the principle of giving. They understood the principle of sacrifice. They understood the principle of helping one another. They understood the word of God. First do good unto the household of faith. And then, he doesn't leave out the other, but you first do good where? To the household of faith. What's the need in the household of faith? Then do act. And they were all in one mind and heart in Christ. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. How many of you are really sharing? 
appreciate everything they have, even to themselves. Even to themselves. Shame. And the most important thing you can do is give of yourself. Not so much the money. Not so much what you do for somebody else. But first, the giving of yourself that you want to do it for. If you don't want to do it for them, don't do it with a grudging heart. But you first do it because you see the need and you want to be part of that solution. That don't mean you're the solution, but you can help getting people to a certain goal. He said they were of the same heart and mind. For a church to function, you have to be of one heart and one mind. Part of you can't be going this way and the other part that way and the other part over this way and the other part over this way. We can't have ten different views in this church about the gay lifestyle. We can't have ten different views here about marriage or whatever. And we can argue marriage all day long. Well, Adam and Eve didn't have no judge. They didn't have no paper. They didn't have this. And the early part of the Bible, none of them guys went to no reverend or pastor to be married. When you read history, you'll find every culture has a marriage ceremony. Elders of the tribe or the chief person of that tribe is the one who says you're married or not married. He might sit with a black robe on. He may not be sitting behind a bench. He may not have no paper to sign. But there's a ceremony that says this man and this woman belong to one another. So Adam and Eve, they had the highest judge of all. He was right there in the middle. We could argue about all these very different things that are happening in our world today. Melvin said something so important. He said, there's only two kinds of people, believers and unbelievers. Don't care what ethnic background you are from, there's only two kinds of people, believers and unbelievers, period. Go to Romans 1.28, because we've got time. Let's see if we can start in and we'll pick it back up next next week, too. Because there's so much in there. But there's this one part that I do want you to catch. And you can uh, chew on it during the week and go back over it and so forth. Assignment this week might be, look up the word depraved. What does the word depraved mean? Because he says this here. And then you think on it this week, and we'll pick back up. 28. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. Wait a minute. You're saying that God gave man a depraved mind. A mind that would be against him, a mind that would destroy themselves, a mind that would damage self, a mind that would destroy and hurt other people. 
push cart. They didn't think it was worthwhile. Now look up the word worthwhile. To what? Retain the knowledge of who? Of God. See, when you're out of here and the people out shopping right now, people playing golf right now, people doing everything else but being in a house of worship, a house of preach God's word, they're saying God's knowledge is not important. I got it all together, and I know what is right and wrong. I know how to handle life. That's the biggest mistake that we make as human beings, is that I do not need the knowledge of God. I may not understand it all, but I need his knowledge that he wants to freely give to me. But I reject it. I reject it. You ever been in the classroom? A teacher is really trying to work with you and to understand this lesson. Notice that. But if you show no interest, what happens? They back off. Because you really don't want his knowledge. That's a lot of people today. We don't want to know God's word. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for ministering to us. Would you?